Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. It is our 11th post-game edition of the 2021 season, and it follows a 28-0 Penn State victory over the visiting Scarlet Knights. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz. And Mr. Fitz, we were not sure what we'd have to chew on after this matchup. It was a nothing-nothing game deep into the second quarter. Uh, and ultimately, while the win is the big story here because you get to 7-4 and four instead of falling to 6-5 and five and, and what that might have looked like, the illnesses that we talked about before this matchup as maybe kind of sort of a storyline, like would that sustain? Yeah, it sustained, it multiplied, and according to James Franklin, they were without 20-plus players due to this outbreak of the flu. Yeah, it was uh, it was not a great uh, not a great thing for Penn State. The the latter half of the week, they dealt with guys. Uh, you know, when we went to practice on on Wednesday, it was what six or seven guys, and then it was just kind of staggered. Some guys would get sick, then get better. Some guys that were out early in the week would be fine and and be able to go. They were sweating this one up until basically kickoff uh, for some of the key players. Still missed a bunch of those guys. Uh, you know, key guys like Curtis Jacobs was not in there, so Jonathan Sutherland played linebacker for him. But all eyes were on the quarterback position. Sean Clifford obviously got hit with this. James Franklin said after um, that uh, they did not have a scholarship quarterback at practice on Friday which is kind of dicey, especially when you're in conference play. So um, Mason Stahl did not get the start, which is unfortunate. We kind of wanted to see what he could do. You saw what he could do at the end of the game. Um, but uh, Sean Clifford got the start after some drama, some senior day stuff uh, taking place. I felt bad for the guys. You know, it was it John Lovett and uh, there was a couple Des other Holmes. guys. Yeah, you know, Des, Des Holmes. Holmes were, you know, yeah, they weren't able to partake because of the, uh, the, the illness. But uh yeah, Penn State was uh, th – that sideline was pretty thin, huh? Yeah, and and so they had the senior day ceremony before the game. Uh, those of you who were in Beaver Stadium maybe caught this, but it was way different than anything we're usually – I mean, we talked about this the circumstances of of players who can return and all the extra eligibility, but the illness, like and, – and what that brought to the dynamics because this was sandwiched in between pregame stuff, which we saw Sean Clifford – during the senior day ceremony, come out to sh- to come out and see his family. Liam Clifford came out with him, um, and and obviously giving Franklin a hug. But he was not on the field during the reps that preceded that, when this team was in full uniform and going through an offensive set uh, with eleven men. It was Christian Veiu, the true freshman who's never played a college down, as the guy sharing the huddle with the starters and. Also, while that's transpiring, we see on the big video board, Sean Clifford introduced as the starting quarterback. I brought that up, the scenario that was playing out to James Franklin after the game. And he was like, yeah, this was not a good day to buy into what you were seeing in, in the starting lineup announcements. Yeah, it was it was not great. Um, and then you had guys, Caden Wallace started the game and was unable to finish. I tell you what. Um, I, I don't know what the, the the symptoms were. James Franklin mentioned a lot of puking and a lot of IVs for their guys. Um, at one point, I looked down and Caden Wallace was he was a zombie on the sideline, just kind of out of it. Um, and you know, I think we've all been there before. It was just kind of uh, you, you kind of you really felt for those guys. And and Clifford, 
uh, you know, give, give the guys credit. They try to come out and do it. That They obviously were not close to 100%, Clifford especially. Um, you know, it, it looked like a guy that hadn't practiced or warmed up. Uh, he was not very accurate, didn't get his feet underneath him when he was throwing the ball. And then by the end of whatever his final drive was late in the first quarter, he took a shot. I think it was to his elbow or something like that. He got to the sideline. James Franklin basically sent him away and said, hey, we appreciate what you're doing here, but it's not going to work. And he went to the tent. Then he went to the locker room. He emerged in the second half in street clothes. So give credit to Sean Clifford for trying to make it work, but it just wasn't happening. Um, and that's, uh, uh, like I said, it was noticeably thin on that sideline because we were we were scouting out guys that, you know, guys you might not notice that if, if, if they're not in the game or whatever. And, and it was very easy to find guys um, just kind of lingering on the sideline. And it was that, that's, that sucks to see. Um, but, uh, yeah, Penn State was able to, to get things going eventually. Penn State and Rutgers played one of the worst quarters of football we've ever seen. It was yes. so bad. I mean, it was thir- 34 to 19 in total yards in the first quarter. Um, you know, kind of set them back to, to when Rutgers invented college football, I guess. Uh, it, it was, it was, it was that bad. There were eight punts and three combined first downs in the first quarter. Eight punts in the first quarter. Now, I turned to you and said, could this be a record kind of day? And you responded, no, 77 punts is the record. And Someone already did, we, the, yeah. did the research for us on our message fortunately, board. We yeah, saw, fortunately, we didn't flip with that. Um, but I'll tell you what, um, I just feel like there's there's no way for this conversation to go until we just address the elephant in the room, which is all these absences. And um, you did a great job, especially as it became apparent that Players were missing, not just starters, but two deep guys and special teams guys. And and so we worked our way through the absentees who was on the field and, and obviously not participating, maybe had a helmet in their hand or maybe didn't even have a helmet at all. And, and based on everything, here's kind of what we came up with. Uh, Sean, the starters that were missing by the end of this one, as you mentioned, Caden Wallace tried to give it a go, wasn't in the cards for him. He, he came to the sideline the rest of the way. Fellow starting tackle Rashid Walker in uniform, but not playing. The same for Mike Miranda, the starting center, although we, we wonder about maybe an injury issue there as well after the early exit against Michigan. Uh, and then you go throughout the throughout the offensive line room. Olu Fashano didn't resurface, but he's been gone for a couple of weeks. But Des Holmes was not introduced with that senior day. He was announced, but he didn't come out of the tunnel. So that leads you to believe he wasn't available because of this illness. And, and Des and Holmes he, he very starting. He was starting. He right was the, guard, yeah. Uh, I think he would have been your starter yeah. at right guard, and and that's that's a, a role that ultimately went to Anthony Wigan. And we'll talk about kind of where the shuffle went on the offensive line. But across the field, you talked about the absence of Curtis Jacobs that led to a start for Jonathan Sutherland. Uh, but it was guys like uh, John Dixon at cornerback who we've seen play pretty extensively in the backfield. Uh, AJ Litton, who's played really well uh, on special teams as a gunner, um, unavailable, and, and Keaton Ellis kind of took over that role along with Drew Hartlob on, on punts, which, as we expected, punts were a huge part of, of this matchup. But just going down the depth, Tyler Elsden at linebacker, running backs Devin Ford and, and John Lovett, uh, Taquan Roberson, who who has been the number two quarterback and and, and now the number three quarterback, he was not um, with this team, so. 20-plus names, according to Franklin, 21 players unable to participate due to flu-like symptoms. And I clarified this part. Another 14 players competed despite dealing with some of those symptoms. And guys like Caden Wallace at right tackle and Sean Clifford at quarterback didn't make it out of the first half before it made sense for them and for Penn State to pull the plug on, on that effort and to figure out what you could do with the next man up. 
Yeah, we didn't get many players afterward, and I'm quite fine with that, let's be honest. Um, But Jahan Dotson said he was one of those guys that struggled with it all throughout the week. So some key players for Penn State, um, and that really didn't work. It didn't work in anybody's favor, especially uh, 34 to to 19 in first quarter yardage. But you know what that means, Tyler? A lot of punters. punters. We had a punter battle. And Jordan Stout was was damn good on Saturday. Eight punts, a forty nine or forty two point nine yard average. Two of those punts were over fifty yards. Six were inside the twenty. Five were inside the ten. Two were inside the five. And he drew a roughing the punter uh, penalty. Uh, Corsack from Rutgers was solid. He had a seventy four yarder. But I think I think we can give this one to Jordan Stout today. Give him the edge, and he and he drew the penalty. And and we were starting to talk about this game. Well, Penn State did start to pile up some some passing plays late in the game, but. For a while, it felt like any penalty was a big play, and a 15-yard penalty or one that gave you a first down felt like an explosive play because there were none available for either of these offenses for much of the matchup and for Rutgers really at any point. And I'm with you. Jordan Stout, I haven't looked around the special teams landscape for this week in the Big Ten, but he very well may be in the running for a fourth conference recognition as player of the week among specialists. We'll see what happens there. Clifford, it was very abbreviated. He had four possessions, Sean. Three of them ended in in three and outs. Uh, Four of them ended in punts, which was the theme early on. He was two of eight, 23 yards on the day, had four yards rushing, um, and they, they, he comes off the field, Christian Veyu enters. And before we talk about what Veyu did next, let's talk about how this last 48 hour span went for Christian Veyu leading to his first college snap, Sean, because not only do we get the clarity this week at practice that as of now, Christian Veyu is the number two quarterback and, and James Franklin is willing to tell us that, but also he was sidelined as well on Friday. Like you said, they had no scholarship quarterbacks available to be on the field. Everything This was a virtual kind of communication with the other quarterbacks from what we understand. And in Veyu's case, you know, it sounds like they go to bed Friday and you're not quite sure who's going to be available to play quarterback. They felt good about Sean Clifford in the morning. By the time they get to game time, he's on IVs. They got uh, Christian Veyu taking snaps for pregame warmups with the ones. And then it's Clifford leading the offense out. And and Parker Washington told me after this game, he did not know Sean Clifford was the starting quarterback for Penn State today until they were trotting out onto the field together for that opening possession. Well, I think you buried the lead. He finally got added to the pronunciation guide, so we know that it's Vayu yes, he now, made it. <laughs> despite the num- the numerous ways that he's pronounced it for us. Um, but yes, he he entered on the last play of the first quarter. Um, you know, got a little bit going there. You know, after that 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 first quarter, you had. Uh, just basically nothing. He had a 14-yard scramble on one of his first plays, a 15-yard pass to Parker Washington, and the drive died. But you still saw something there that you didn't see with Clifford. Clifford was just spraying the ball. Um, you know, he, again, credit to him for going out there, but it just it wasn't close to being there for Sean Clifford. Uh, Penn State gets the ball eventually 540 in the first half, and they are actually able to run the ball, ran the ball with Dotson. Noah Kane was in there doing some stuff. Um, Christian Veyu rolls to the right on third down and finds John uh, Jahan Dotson in the back of the end zone. Great throw by Jahan mm-hmm. or by to Jahan Dotson by Veyu. Um, just uh, shows you a little bit of that arm strength that we talked about. You know, there's so much 
mystery around him because he didn't play his senior season. So we'll get to that in a second. But that the interesting thing there, that was the first third down that Penn State converted. And Veyu was actually four of nine on third downs today. So that's that's pretty darn good for a guy coming in cold. Um, yeah. So once he settled in, he showed a little something. Uh, strong arm, part, pocket presence. Uh, he he did he was willing to throw it into a couple areas he maybe shouldn't have. Um, but y- you saw confidence. You saw something you like. And and this is one thing. Um, you know, he also put his shoulder down a couple of times when he's running the ball. This is one thing that kept popping through my head is, and if you've read our stuff over the last couple of years on online 24 seven, anytime Taquan Roberson would come up, you say, well, when he came in, he, he and Michael Johnson didn't really prepare as a starter. Didn't really take that on because you had eventually, or at, at that point, Tommy Stevens and Sean Clifford and, and, uh, Will Levis, I think through for 420 yards today for Kentucky for good for good for will. Um, but he had those guys in front of him and you prepared differently to me. Veyu looks like a guy that, that really went in preparing as he was a starter um, doing the things that he needed to do, even if he wasn't going to get in the game and the, the plan was not to play him this, this, this year at all, but he eventually worked himself in there. We had a little discussion in my chat this week online 24 seven about how he kind of earned that versus Roberson kind of losing that. And, and I think that's kind of the, the discourse here is you want to talk so much about Roberson losing that job and Roberson at, at, at Iowa and having to play Sean Clifford in the situation that he was in against Illinois. And then you wonder why it wasn't value the whole time. And I think that's, a, that's a logical question, James Franklin did have some answers after uh, after the game when he was asked about that uh, a couple of times. Yeah, he said he. I mean, he said this before uh, uh, in referencing Christian Veyu getting a bunch of reps during that Ohio State week when, for whatever reason, Roberson uh, medically wasn't going to be available to be their QB two. Pointed to that week and, and the volume of reps that he handled and the way in which he handled them as a big step forward for him in that quarterback room and within this offense and, and the way they view him as an option behind Sean Clifford. Uh, and, and I think he referenced that gap because Roberson had a two-year head start on campus. He enrolled early way back in 2019, along with Michael Johnson Jr. And that gap closed and closed and closed, and it wasn't closed by the time they finished spring ball, and it wasn't closed by the time they entered this, the season. And as Franklin referenced, they didn't feel like it was closed when they were on the road at Iowa City, but obviously Veyu surpassed him. I think we all have understood why. Um, and where you're left wondering what happens next for Roberson, who again wasn't in uniform today, you really think, well, what's next for Christian Veyu now that we've seen him go out there? And I think his demeanor stands out. And he's been on the podcast. Hopefully, our listeners have had a chance to to, to catch him here on the podcast. And he comes off as a cool customer um, and he comes across a little bit differently than maybe some of the, the players they have signed uh, in the last couple of cycles at the position. So curious to see what it means moving forward, where Sean Clifford is. I mean, you could probably go down a long list of, of what's ailing Sean Clifford through 11 games at this point. Illness aside, there's a lot happening, I think, with him. And uh, it, it's going to be another big week, I would imagine, for Christian uh, preparing as the understudy, but also maybe primed to play some more football. Yeah, maybe maybe gives you a little bit of confidence in throwing him out there. I I, I don't know where Clifford will be at this time next week or this time uh, you know Friday next week or anything like that because he's just been he's been battered. I mean, let's be yeah. honest here. He's he's been beaten up, and then you throw an illness on top of that, and he seemed you know <laughs> pretty uh, pretty out of it today. Um, so you wonder where he's going to be, but it gives you a little bit of confidence that he can go in there throw the ball around a little bit. You saw Michigan state took it on the chin pretty hard from, from Ohio state today. So maybe there's an opening in there. 
Um, Peyton Thorne did the same thing last year with uh, with Michigan State, or maybe it was two years ago. Um, it's all running together for me right now. But um, came in, threw it around, did some nice things. Um, so you wonder with a young quarterback like that, and we've talked about it before. Sometimes you're you're naive, and that's a good thing to go out there and and have some success. And he had that success today: fifteen to twenty four, two thirty five, three touchdowns, added ten carries for thirty six yards. Um, you know, hung around in the pocket at times, hung around a little bit long. Um, the deep ball was not there completely today. Um, mm-hmm. but I think that's something that can come. I mean, you, you overshot dot, Dotson deep, uh, Cam Sullivan Brown deep and, uh, hit, hit one to Tyler Warren. Um, but I, I think that's something that where the law of averages can come back around. He can hit those balls. So you gotta like what you saw out of him from an arm talent perspective. I know everybody talks about Drew Aller and, and what he brings to the table and rightfully so, because he's, he's tremendously talented. Um, but I think this is Christian Veyu's way of saying, Hey, don't, don't forget about me. I'm actually a pretty good quarterback. Yeah. A couple of things with Christian that, that stood out to me in this game, <clears throat> you know, and, and let's also lead in with this. Rutgers has a woeful pass rush. They have not put the pressure on quarterbacks. It's something we discussed going into this matchup. It's something that's going to continue to be a problem for their defense here in 2021. And additionally, I thought, you know, this is a good thing, but Veyu really trusted his weapons. I mean, he put the ball in some some dangerous spots, but he, he let Jahan Dotson, Parker Washington make plays on the ball. They made the adjustments. They are top-tier talents. Further reinforces what I've been talking about in recent weeks. There is talent across this offensive group. Uh, for whatever reason, they just haven't been able to, to get a, a maximize the offenses at large. They didn't do it today either. But I thought with Christian and, and just speaking about his preparation, there was no disconnect when he faced some pressure or if he had a scramble or even when he held the ball a little bit too long and he realized, okay, I got to make something happen. There wasn't a, a moment of disconnect as he was looking downfield for his next move. I felt like he made that decision very quickly. We certainly in a very different environment didn't see that from Taquan Roberson at Iowa. Um, and that's something that I think has been probably missing for Penn State's quarterback evals overall is, is when the lights come on and it's time to react and be that guy, how are you doing? Um, and, and we've seen Sean Clifford handle that role, but they got to find someone else. And I, I know people want to really attach themselves to Drew Aller. And there's plenty of people who also are, are big fans of Bo Prabula and what he could bring to Penn State, both enrolling in January. But before you totally wrap your arms around those guys and put all your eggs in the basket for 2022, just remember you're not quite sure whether it's a noon kickoff at Rutgers or, or a nighttime matchup on the road. When it's your turn to be the guy with the ball and the play breaks down, how do you react? I thought he passed that initial test today. It's not the biggest test he will face by any stretch of the imagination in his college career, but very strong early glimpse. And I felt like he did just about everything you could with this opportunity, including avoiding the turnover that could have opened the door for Rutgers. Yeah, you nailed it on that one. I'm not a big fan of of comparing the the situation at Iowa that Roberson was into this one because it's obviously yep. night and day. Um, but you know, you you gotta you got you you said it. You don't know what you've got until those live bullets start flying, especially with Christian Veyu, a guy that didn't play as a senior, um, had limited experience coming in, and and really has been on campus for what eleven months now. So, um, but he he handled it well. He he put them he put himself in a position to make those throws. I mean, I mean, you look at, you know, you, you talk about the touchdown throw to mega or the one to Washington there, but like the, the throw to, to Keandre Lambert Smith, just a seven yard gain, but it picked up a first down, puts Penn state in a really good position uh, to score that final touchdown, just the little things like that. And he took some shots today. I mean, he, he had guys in his face, um, the offensive line patchwork as it's been all season as it was even more so today. Um, and, and he had some guys in his face and he managed to deliver, 
Um, you know, you, you want to see, continue to see growth and things like that. But in terms of like going right away, yeah. it's, it, 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 it's a really good showing. And let's also tip our hat here to, to Mike Yersich. You had Christian Veyu ready for this moment, clearly, and ready to handle the offense. There weren't pre-snap penalties. There weren't a bunch of confusion. The timeout, the body language looked good from Christian, except that one time when he leaped for a first down and started to, to limp. And I was thinking, now the quarterback narrative is going to change again today here in the fourth quarter against Rutgers. He's seen this shake that off. They finished off with a touchdown drive. But, yeah, they got it going on, on third downs. That was big for them. Um, and – Canadian players. I mean, we, we've been joking for a while, Sean, about how that's my beat. And it's something I, I've written about extensively long before I was covering Penn State. I've, and, and I've Penn been State, joking for a while. You're not you're not joking about it whatsoever. I know this. I know. But but today it all came together. All we were missing was a Jesse Lucetta a, a touchdown return on defense. Uh, Jonathan Sutherland had the late game ceiling. Well, not game ceiling, but just the, kind of the latest dagger twist on Rutgers with the interception um, late in the game. But it was on offense, Malik Mega popping up. His third career reception ends up being a 67-yard touchdown that really put this one away when it made it a 21-0 game in the third quarter. Uh, Theo Johnson, I thought, had another strong game for this team at tight end um, on the looks that he got. Really seems to be the role that, that, that he's embracing right now and kind of taking on a larger role in that tight end group. And, of course, Christian Veyu, who is the story of the podcast and, and the story of everything that's going to be written, unless you're talking about the virus that, that wiped out a quarter of Penn State's team. Hey, by the way, the defense had another shutout. I don't think we've mentioned it yet. Uh, <laughs> Penn State's defense. <laughs> we never do early, I feel like, on the – we always I mean, get the defense toward the end. It, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the hallmark of taking something for granted is what we do with it Penn is. State's defense just because it's another week. It's another shutout. 165 yards, 2.3 yards per carry. You have a Keedy, another strip sack. It's just like rinse and repeat at this point because those guys are, 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 have been tremendous, and there, there's no shorting them, that's for sure, but it's, it, it's really been um, – it, it's really been awesome to watch them and even when Penn State was struggling to move the ball like they were you just kind of thought well Penn State's defense isn't going to crack here Rutgers offense isn't scaring anybody um, obviously but uh, Penn State's defense was was up to the challenge and they did so short of the turnovers so they just got uh, one turnover the uh, Jonathan Sutherland interception a um, couple of balls on the ground here and there a couple of drop picks um, but uh, yeah they were they were once again great yeah, the Penn State football SID uh, noted this during the game after Rutgers came up empty on a red zone trip. 37 red zone opportunities for Penn State's opponents now in 11 games, Sean. 14 times the Nittany Lions defense has held that opponent scoreless. We know they have forced a bunch of field goals as well, but like you said, just kind of ex expecting this outcome from the defense. And uh, that's a big reason why there is a, a what if hovering over this season because the defense showed up to play, and that's been the case games one through 11. That's an incredible number. I mean, you can if you can hold them to 17 field goals in that. I mean, that's that's still pretty decent. And and, and to to get score to, to be scoreless on those opportunities, um, incredible. Just breaking it down real quick. Uh, Derek Tangelo has been awesome. I mean, just yeah. watching him um, grow from the guy that was expected to be the sidekick to PJ Mustafer. Um, to to a guy that's making plays and all over the place, and you felt bad when he went down injured late in the game because that that's a all of a sudden a huge piece of your defense. Um, so this is a tangible appreciation point here. Uh, Daquan Hardy and Kalen King, a couple of the younger uh, 
defensive backs that were out there. Uh, Kalen King had two knockdowns today or two pass breakups today. Um, so he was he was back on it after getting burnt in that Michigan game and, and giving up the big play. Uh, we didn't see a ton of Tariq Castro Fields as James Franklin mentioned. He was he's been banged up or he got hurt in the Michigan game. Um, so we saw some of those other corners, especially without Dixon there. Um, and because uh, I is our once again, the yeah. defensive tackles seem to be the guys that are catching the eye, and and that's aside from Ebikidi, Brisker's good, and you know the linebackers were were solid once again. Rutgers offense, I mean, is not going to scare anybody, um, but those guys were making the plays, starting to flash, and doing some nice things. Yeah, my weekly uh, AK appreciation here, uh, Arnold Ebikidi, another sack. He's got a sack in seven of eight Big Ten games this year in his debut in the conference. Uh, he needs that half sack more to be the first uh, since 2015 to end up with 10 sacks in a season for Penn State. I have I have faith he will get there. Um, just been so consistent, getting some pressure off the edge, making a play. And, and yeah, I thought Izzard uh, took another step forward today. And unfortunately, no Curtis Jacobs, who I've uh, been enjoying watching him play here in, in the last half season or so. feels like he's made some steps, but uh, had to press pause on that, along with a lot of players. Um, defensively, Sean, by the way, they gave up uh, 2.8 yards per play, 2.3 yards per rush. Four of 15 were the Scarlet Knights on third down. And this is, again, why I wasn't buying into Rutgers really making it an upset attempt in Beaver Stadium, regardless of how Penn State was coming out of that Michigan matchup. They don't score points. They don't score points in this series, especially. 28 points, Sean, is actually the most that the Nittany Lions have scored in the last four games against Rutgers. But Rutgers over that span has scored 20 total points in those four games. So even when Penn State's come out and slept off or they can't get it done offensively, hasn't mattered much because their defense handles some of the business. And then the ineptitude that Rutgers has shown offensively in this series takes care of the rest. And you're a Rutgers grad, so you can say that. I get it. Yeah. Um, no, it's it, it's one of those things where, where you just never felt threatened. And to be honest with you, Jordan Stout had a hand in that early, kept pinning them back, and it was just a – uh, incompetence both ways, no doubt about it, on the offensive side of the ball. But when you pin them back and they can't throw the ball, then you've got an opportunity to uh, to turn that one away and to turn it into a shutout. I mean, both of you and I had Rutgers scoring some, but not scoring a bunch. They, again, they had 13 points against Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State each. Um, but uh, for, for Penn State to do that while filling holes in their own roster with the, the illnesses and things like that, I mean, this defense, you, you really can't say enough about them. Yeah, I mean that's two shutouts or anything or anything about them as we don't say anything about them as we talk about the offense the entire time. I mean, yeah, it's it's two Big Ten shutouts and that's been discussed first time in program history and think of it what you will, but that's two shutouts and and, and eight matchups and you gave up ten points in regulation against Illinois and they, again they have done their job they they've carried their water. Unfortunately, the complimentary football has been lacking for Penn State, but. Brent Pry, I would certainly consider this an excellent year in his resume. And, and as a result, the players who have stepped up, they're going to reap the benefits come next draft and and and, and come the evaluation period as, as they move forward as prospects. Um, Sean, and, and, and I, I do want to mention there, yeah. as we said there before, the, the criticism is there because the expectations are so high. I mean, you you think yeah. if if a team scores or you you saw it a couple of times, I I don't want to use our in-game threat as something where we, you know, judge the basis of the fan base or anything like that. But just a couple plays here and there, there was the penalty drive where Jair Brown hit the uh, the player out of bounds, and then there was a, a another penalty. Uh, it was a Porter got a pass interference or something like that. But yeah, they had a bad run there. That's what's getting criticized, and all of a sudden you turn around, you get a stop. Rutgers has to punt, and 
no points on the board. So we we talk about this and we we spend so much time on the offense because of where the expectations are there. We don't spend as much time on the defense because the expectations are high and they are meeting them. So that's good. And and to throw one more note out there, Jair Brown, the safety, was not introduced for senior day today. He was a he is a senior um, by the letter of the roster. Um, so that's good news for Penn State if he's uh, if he's coming back next year. That would be huge to have him uh, in the defensive backfield again in 2022. There's no doubt about that. There's two other names on offense that I just wanted to circle back to. I don't think we got uh, to one of them, but Parker Washington, what an adjustment on that touchdown reception that put Penn State up 14 to nothing. Uh, that was where I was talking about Bayou really trusting in the talent of his receiver to win that one-on-one -on -one battle. And I, there were a couple plays today where I thought Parker Washington really exhibited why there is so much buzz about him and, and, and not just here being the number two, but life after Jahan Dotson and what that might mean for him and his role at Penn state and maybe the national conversation. He's got a lot to prove when Jahan Dotson hits the road, but you saw some flashes today and it was important for the game, but you saw some flashes from Parker Washington about just why everyone kind of stops and stares at him occasionally on the practice field. He has to do what Dotson did, and that's become a number one. I think he took a step that way today. Um, you know, he, he's so good in terms of ball control, or excuse me, body control, and then catching the football. Um, today he showed a little bit more after the catch, and that touchdown grab fought through the pass interference to, to get that touchdown grab. He, I thought he was tremendous today. And I, and I said Theo Johnson has impressed at tight end. It was a quieter game for him today in, in, in terms of stats, but uh, more fireworks, though, from Tyler Warren at the tight end position today. Uh, we've, we've seen him do it as the Wildcat quarterback. That's kind of been the highlight reel for him uh, for much of the season, but had a really strong contested grab today. Uh, he had that, that box-out touchdown catch against Michigan. Um, he's starting to really assert himself here. I don't know where it goes at tight end. We've talked about the talent. You're starting to really see that surface here a little bit more in recent weeks. You do wonder, though, Brenton Strange, three-week span now, one reception for seven yards where it feels like Theo Johnson's taking a step forward, Tyler Warren's taking a step forward. It is a competitive room. We've talked about that a lot, and I think that's one maybe it looks a little bit differently getting to the end of the season than maybe it did midseason. Yeah, I, I've been kind of worried about the the absence of Brenton Strange. Uh, he's been out there. He's been running routes and things like that, um, but it seems like uh, Johnson's seeing more of the target share. And then today Warren got a couple of, of balls thrown his way. Um, so got, got questions. If, you, if you're Brenton Strange, I'm sure you have plenty of questions. I think he's a talented kid. I think all three of them are very talented. And, and even Khalil Dinkins got into the game at the end today. So uh, there's, there's quite a bit of talent in that room. And um, let's be honest, got to keep, got to keep him happy. And I, I would have expected a little bit more to go Strange's way. So Penn state seven and four, they get to back to 500 here in, in the big 10 play. Got Michigan State coming up. Michigan State was absolutely destroyed today, and it was over by halftime. And like you said, that's why you don't leak huge contract details right before a big matchup like that. But this one is, you know, the complexion of how this was viewed, Michigan State versus Penn State, how much has that changed in the last six, seven hours? But really, we got to figure out the health status of this team, Sean. That'll be probably the, the, the marquee focus going into next week, along with what James Franklin is, is saying. He's going to open up a bit in his Tuesday press conference about – his future and long-term kind of plans. So we'll see what happens in the next 48 hours, but we got to see where this team is from a health standpoint, because from Wednesday to Saturday, it got really bad. And if they're not, uh, you know, heading out in the other direction, it could get worse by Tuesday. So we, we really have to keep a, a tight eye on this. 
Yeah, and there's really no telling what it's going to be looking like next week. Uh, we, I mean, th- so many things change from Wednesday to Friday, even. So, um, hopefully, they get this thing under control. Franklin said they've they've done a pretty good job with it, the team doctors and everything like that. Um, but hopefully, they get into there under there. And Michigan State's got some some searching to do. I mean, they were pounding. I mean, this this was almost the low point of our season because uh, just covering Penn State because. Uh, Penn State was really struggling, 0-0 at Rutgers, and then Julian Fleming goes and catches a touchdown pass for Ohio State against Michigan State. So I'll let everybody that, know. Don't worry. That was that. That was the the old bottom of the uh, bottom of the, the graph there. Um, but it was uh, it, it's going to be interesting because Michigan State's a talented team. I obviously think they were rated a little bit high, um, and Ohio State kind of showed that. But we'll we'll see what uh, we'll see what goes on next week because this is one you pretty much had chalked up as a loss. You go on the road. Um, after Thanksgiving to East Lansing, tough place to play and things like that. And still very, very well may end up like that. But uh, you got to think there's a glimmer of hope there if you're if you're Penn State after watching what Ohio State did to them. Yeah, Penn State hasn't settled for seven wins in a regular season since 2015. I'm sure they don't want to get back to that now. And the chance to go on the road to East Lansing, beat a, a ranked team, a respected team this year, albeit coming off a bad loss uh, on the road to get to eight and four. That means good things for momentum, for recruiting potentially, but also for a bull bit. And maybe they can work their way with some prestige and with the narrow losses into still a pretty good bowl matchup. Still not convinced on that. And, and neither, are I think, are the bowl representatives coming off of this win against Rutgers. But a nice opportunity for Penn State coming up next set. What's so funny? There was a Rose Bowl guy there today. I just Oh, that's I, right. I think there were two that's of them, actually. Right. I just, uh, I just, I, I walked by and laughed. <laughs> Somebody sent him there as a prank or something like that. I don't know. That's, that's, that, that was, a, that was, a, that was a nice light, lighthearted moment, moment in a first half that was just dreadful. So that's right. Took a wrong turn, heading somewhere else, wound up maybe wanted to just come fresh mountain air on a Saturday from the Rose Bowl. We're not sure what happened there. I don't think we have to worry about booking flights out to Pasadena, my friend. Not this year. Uh, that's going to do it for us on this episode. Thanks to our producer, Lance Glenn. Uh, sorry over there, buddy. Um, Sean Fitz, Tyler Donahue. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.